Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 33 of Post and Pints. Man, we are, we're racking up numbers here, guys, and I'm, I'm proud of us. The MLS seems to be falling apart at the seams, and it's so wonderful that they have 11 games going on at once so that you get to watch all of it at the same time. Yeah, you know, let's put 11 games on and then not have games for three days because we clearly couldn't have divvied up the schedule any better. Atlanta's losing a star. Miami might be gaining one. New York Red Bull is basically a dumpster fire. LAFC versus LA Galaxy again? I feel like I just watched that. Sporting Kansas City can't keep going. And for some odd reason, the Canadian teams only want to play each other. Guys, there is way too much to talk about. Not enough time. Guys, we're going to go around the bin. Dre, Kyle, Alex, what are we drinking tonight? I will start it off, and since summer is almost over, I'm going to try to keep that feeling going and have a Lenny Kugel summer shandy. Cheers. Ah, very nice, very nice. Uh, Mr. Alejandro. Dude, so I am trying something new today. It is the Cayman Jack Cuban Mojito Cocktail. Uh, it comes in this little, like... What? Dude, listen to this. I tried this at a barbecue this weekend, and uh, this is number five or six of just today. I actually, before we recorded, had to stop at the liquor store, got another six-pack. These things are crack, like absolute crack. Oh, good, because I needed more alcohol on my credit card. Kyle, what are we drinking? I'm drinking PBR again. I got nothing. Yeah! No Um, sob stories, no feelings, no shirt. What do you mean, man? You're about to go on a week of vacation. I'm only drinking PBR. Aren't you excited? I got some yingling in the fridge, too, for when I want to feel extra pencil touch. You know, I, I noticed that. I noticed that. I was like, oh, Kyle's going fancy this weekend. And uh, I'm going to blame. So I'm going to blame Alex because all day I've been drinking nothing but crooked markers. And good God, I'm I, I'm. Those are also crack. When 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 you're coming in off of an entire day drinking event and then you have to sober up for 10 seconds, inhale 20 ounces of coffee, and then you're like, okay, let me crack open a beer and do a podcast. Um, okay. But uh, <laughs> I am drinking one of my favorite brewing companies from Jersey City, 902 Brewing Company. Uh, they only released this beer like two weeks out of the entire year. Brady's Nightmare, say an IPA, but 10%. I'm letting you know if you have one of these, you're basically done for the evening. So, cheers to you guys. Lois jumping off the stairs. Good luck, everybody else. Good luck, everybody else. So, guys, Atlanta's rising star and the replacement of one Miguel Amaron is on his way out of Atlanta. Atlanta turning around this last week and announcing that their star, Pity Martinez, is on his way to the Saudi club Al Nassar. Guys, in a pandemic year, they bought him for $14 million and sold him for 18 Guys, is this good business or what is Atlanta doing? It's a bold strategy, Cotton. <laughs> I think, I mean, yes, they made money, but when it comes to pity, the player he is, his age, his career, I'm not so confident that this is the best move for him, but I kind of see a bit of it kind of like the uh, Oscar situation in Chelsea where he was good. He was playing well. He's a popular player, you know, a good player, really skillful. And then decides at a certain point in his career, is like, hey, I'm going to go over to China, make them big, big bucks, uh, you know, and then have a very comfortable nest egg for the rest of my life. Which is, you know, admirable when you're coming from a poor country, especially Oscar grew up poor in Brazil, that kind of stuff. 
and I feel like that's the route that Pity Martinez is going. I feel like something just didn't feel right for him at Atlanta. He got there, maybe he sees the injury to uh, Martinez and then sees the team isn't playing as well as he had hoped. And he's like, yeah, I kind of want out now. And when he got an offer, he's like, all right, well, uh, MLS isn't that prestigious. And if I'm going to go somewhere that's not prestigious, I might as well make big bucks doing it. So he's like, screw it. Let me go over to Al Nassar. I feel like he probably could have went to like a mid like made the same transfer, honestly, as Al Marone, mid-tier, you know, EPL team, mid-tier team anywhere in La Liga or anywhere in Europe, really. Um, I feel like the money just drew him over to Saudi Arabia. Honestly, I think this is a win for all parties. And I know that's an unpopular idea because Atlanta just lost their best player outside of Joseph Martinez. But he clearly did not fit into the shoes of Star. He clearly was not yet completely comfortable with the MLS. He's now going to go to another team where he's going to make more money. And Atlanta is going to turn around and make a profit on a on a basically a bust because really Pity Martinez didn't fit into the shoes that he was supposed to fit into, but they're still going to make $4 million. And it's hard, really, in all of world soccer, it's hard to say that I made a profit off of a bust. Good for Atlanta and good for Pity Martinez. I wish him the best of luck. I, I hope I hear his name, you know, around. Hopefully he's doing good things. Speaking of stars on the move, Kyle, I'm going to leave this one off with you. Juventus' Gonzalo Higuain apparently is completely done with Juventus and has agreed to all but basically the signing and the signatures and all the little doodads he's got to go through. The personal terms are agreed. Is Gonzalo Higuain a good fit for Miami? I think absolutely yes. We saw like earlier on in his career while he was playing in La Liga, he was getting really good number of goals and assists a year, probably between like 20 and 40 goals a year uh his first two years uh in napoli were the same thing his first couple years at juventus he slowed down recently but i feel like it's kind of hard to get those numbers when you're playing with a team as stacked as juventus is currently but let's not forget that the guy is absolutely lethal 25 yards out he can score from either foot he can he can uh, hold the ball up he can hit his teammates deep with complete accuracy he can do it all he's played a false nine he can play a second striker he i think he's the perfect acquisition for miami who doesn't really have much up top andre do you believe as well that this is a good fit for miami i think as long as gonzalo higuain can keep himself out of the bars you know low on the low on the the beers low on the the mojitos and in miami and keep himself out of trouble i think he could do great things in miami but then again you know miami is you know, that Miami Vice lifestyle uh, caters to, to lots of people, especially superstars and whatnot. But no, I, realistically speaking, um, when it comes down to the soccer and the on-field product, if, uh, if Fatty Fat Fat can keep himself in shape, I think he can do good things for Miami. As long as he's not biting anybody. Oh, wait, that's not him? No, that's they're, that's the guy that took us they're not, just now. They're, they're not the same person? <laughs> um, breaking news, yeah. Luis Suarez and Gonzalo Higuain are not the same person. But hey, Luis, differently. Luis Suarez is going to be in the MLS in a few years, and I'm calling it now, and that's a hot take. But my final take on this take, yeah, I'm going from the takes to the takes to the takes. I think this is an amazing move. Miami is in desperate need of a number nine, someone who is going to just ride that offsides line. And like Dre said, within 20, 25 yards, Gonzalo Higuain is still absolutely lethal. 
And I think this is going to be an absolutely incredible signing for Miami once this gets done. Matuidi had a great game the other night, and I this team is only a few key pieces away from being the team David Beckham wants them to be. And once all these pieces get put together, David Beckham's just going to be sitting up there just rubbing his hands because he knows it's not going to be too, too long before he is hoisting MLS Cup. Speaking of things that don't host or at least hold or get near or get within a 100-yard distance of MLS Cup, we are now going to dive in for a few additional minutes than our normal segment. And we're going to talk about what is basically in an absolute best way I can describe it. It's basically like Camp Crystal Lake and the New York Red Bull are the teenagers. Guys, New York Red Bull is in an absolute state of chaos. Just recently firing their head coach after a one nothing disappointing loss to DC United. Backup, um, backup coach, my God, assistant coach Bradley Carnell coming in and being promoted as the interim head coach with the possibility of him being assigned the job permanently. Recently, last night, the New York Red Bull lost heavily 3-0 to their, and I'm going to put in quotations, not rival, Philadelphia Union 3-0 at home. They only have one point in their last four games and have not scored more than one goal in a game since the opening weekend of the season against Cincinnati. I think it's a fitting time to bring this back. They couldn't finish in a whorehouse. (laughs) I actually had the opportunity to go on another podcast, the Philadelphia Union podcast recently, and I quoted that exact line. Currently, they sit ninth in the East and 16th in the entire league. Guys, the New York Red Bull, I mean, outside of seeing what I'm seeing, guys, what is going on? I feel like we all need to take shots of bleach before we can all even start to talk about what is going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not pretty. Actually, my new ritual right before Red Bull games, I get like a nice big pair of like swimming goggles and I fill them with bleach and I wear those during the game. <laughs> it's um, been helping. My eyes re- slightly less than watching the Red Bulls. Friendly reminder that Post and Pints podcast does not condone putting bleach in goggles and then putting them to your eyes. This Nor is do not we condone do- taking shots of bleach. I'm do not, not attempt what you've heard. This is not a Donald Trump pro commercial. So bleach your um, intestines, bleach your asshole. I don't care. Yeah. Well, don't but no, hey, to, hey, to, don't don't knock what I do on the weekends. Okay. <laughs> hey, keep keep your asshole clean. We get it. No, but to to talk seriously about this, um, the arm us out situation has been ongoing for the better part of a year at this point and you know it, it, it there's reasons why you know the the supporter shield that Armas won was pretty much the Jesse Marsh team running on autopilot for the rest of that season and then since Armas has had his two years with the team it's kind of been getting further away from the quality the talent and just like the the overall team players that we had when Jesse was here that game against DC we all watched it together and I mean it, it just wasn't fun we all saw it. it it just it was a boring game really honestly a boring game and then for a boring game to end with a 97th minute goal against us is it's just not it's not something beat, as a Red Bull right, fan rivalry or not you got beat by a team that was all around worse it's yeah. just not and a good look the the one last point I want to make about this is that towards the end of Armas' tenure, last couple of games, like the ones after the MLS's back tournament ended, those couple of games we had, you could see that he was starting to experiment. He was starting to try younger players, different players, different lineups, 
we picked up Tete and and Yearwood and all these other players, and we're trying to find their spot and all that kind of stuff. And I I will give him props for trying something new and trying something different. But as you know, as the old adage says, it's a little bit too late. You know, too little, too late. So. Thankfully, the Chris Armas experiment and era is over. From some of the quotes and things that I've heard from the uh, from Greg Hamlet, he looks like he's pretty serious about trying to find a decent coach, someone who is not within the organization, just going out and finding someone to come in and do what's right for the team. He he seems pretty dedicated to it. Only time will tell. I you know, as Kyle always says, I'm not confident. We have to see what actually happens and who gets hired as this coach and kind of go from there. But, you know, good, good, good riddance, Chris Armas. I'm going to, you know me, I'm going to always take an opposite stance because that's who I am. So you go on the interwebs and you see a bunch of people bitching like a kid that's an assistant assistant coach that's never coached an MLS game in his life was supposed to just magically make everybody in our team play like David Beckham. And we were going to outscore the best team in the NFL, in the, in the MLS. <laughs> yeah, oh, I want to see, yeah. Yeah, see the New York Red Bull against the NFL too. Okay. Let's Me be honest. Too. Hey, um, Hey, the New York sorry. Red Bull scored a touchdown in a soccer game in a baseball stadium. Winners, not anymore though. So, I mean, it's never going to be realistic. I never thought that Armis was going to step out and then magically we were going to be in first place overnight. It's just the first step of a longer process. Like, yeah, Armis only helped take a team that was winning the supporter shield two years ago to what we see before us, the team that couldn't finish a sandwich. In a whorehouse. In a whorehouse. That's a <laughs> that lot of finishing. Cool. I don't know why I'd want to eat a sandwich there. That's kind of gross, though. No, honestly, I love the fact that the MLS, like an official MLS document, and uh, someone wrote that the New York Red Bull couldn't finish making a sandwich. Yep. And that was my favorite line by far. Kyle, do you have anything else to say, or do you want me to wrap this up? Yep. No, my, uh, the finish to my thought was just uh, Armas is only the first step now that we got rid of him. Hamlet and Thelwell has to really rethink the way they're doing things. And I think uh, Kevin Thelwell really wants the best for this team. I think Hamlet might be the next person that has to go if things don't change. But we can't keep going homegrown. We're spending a lot less than everybody else. And our the talent is just not there. Honestly, there's a couple of things I just want to finish up before we finish up on this topic. It's not all Chris Armis's fault, and I know you all don't want to hear that, but it's not all his fault. Unfortunately, you know, every single successive franchise goes in dips, and the New York Red Bull, and it was written on the wall. When you get rid of your two star star players in Luis Robles and Bradley Wright Phillips, and you cut a lot of the funding, and you tighten up on the budget, and you don't bring in big-time players, and there's a lot of questions in your lineup, you know you're going to have a bad year. And maybe with the fact that the Red Bull even had the start that they had, a lot of people didn't think they would, you know, beating a Cincinnati team, beating an Atlanta team like, wow, OK, wait, you know, there might be something here. But really, the end goal of this season was never going to be to make the playoffs. The end goal was never to compete for any type of civil silver, 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 silverware. Good God, that's a tongue twister. Overall, 
you look at it, it, unfortunately, Chris Armas just happened to be the scapegoat in this situation, in my opinion. And and exactly what Kyle said, there need to be more changes. And it's a long-term project. Uh, Rome wasn't built in the day, and MLS Cup winning teams don't get built overnight. So I think It's not we're- just Armas, though. You can't help but feel bad for with for uh, Bradley Garnell. He's the one that's got to go out and deal with this shit for the rest of the season. I have to have a gut feeling like they're paying him an additional bonus to like, hey, you're going to receive crap for the next couple months. Uh, and I don't no, think no, I don't yeah, think no, it's no going to be an Armist situation. No one seriously is going to blame the interim guy. That's, that doesn't happen anywhere. When you fire a team, well, the we, fan base understands, hey, there's going to be some time where until we find well, a coach, there's going to be this we guy here. our last interim head coach. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. You know, that was going to blame him. As we end with that, I feel like we're going to be talking about that more up over the upcoming weeks. Unless I drink more bleach. Hmm. It's gonna be a tough. It's gonna be a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see if it pays off. Usually, you gotta pay of, double for that kind of action. Speaking of paying double, I feel like it was like last episode we were talking about the LA Galaxy beating LAFC. But hey, we're here to do it again. This week, the LA Galaxy once again took on LAFC, and as the last time we talked about it, it was a very similar result. LA Galaxy completely bombarded LAFC winning three nothing this is the second straight win for LA Galaxy and the second straight clean sheet against LAFC everything seems to be going right for LA Galaxy minus one Chicharito and on the opposite coin LAFC seems to be falling apart without Carlos Vela. guys uh, what's going on here all right I'll start this one so the biggest thing that LA Galaxy has going for them is uh, Guillermo Chilato, their head coach, um, much like New York Red Bull fans might remember with uh, Jesse Marsh, he knows that he doesn't have the most talented team or the biggest guys or anything like that, but they're guys that'll fight and scrap for the full 90. You saw a first half that was all LAFC. They just couldn't put one in the net, and they never gave up, and look, look how it turned out. I truly believe this was another game that LAFC lost, the back four once again against LA, LA Galaxy showed uh, they really haven't replaced Zimmerman. They were getting blanked all night. The midfield looked tired again. Correct me if I'm There's wrong. There's not didn't, much didn't, else to say. Did, didn't they also play Latif Blessing out of position? Like my understanding is he's a natural center mid or midfielder, and they had him at right back. So like that's weird too. Well, I mean, the, it, it didn't the, work last time, so might as well try something different this time. The entire game, though, did change after the red card. Once the red card came in for Kay, it was a completely different game. Although the LA Galaxy were up one nothing at that time, ever since they got the red card, the Galaxy, uh, the LAFC had no idea really how to combat that, and it was an absolute, it was an absolute bloodbath. I mean, when watching this game, it was pretty late game. Still stayed up and watched it. It really, first of all, Sebastian Legette, once again, an absolutely incredible performance. And then also Christian Pavan. These two seem to be linking up m- well now more than ever. And for a team that's minus their superstar, and I'm going to use superstar in quotations because Chicharito has been anything but this year. Really, when you got to think about it, this LA Galaxy team is hitting up on all cylinders at the exact time they need to. And then on the flip side, as I said last week, 
LAFC just look like Barcelona without Messi. They, they're they looking for the guy who has all the answers, and no one else on that team is stepping up. Everyone on LAFC, if you look at their player ratings, had a horrible game. And I, this has got to be the second or third straight game. I've been extremely disappointed with LAFC. And I don't know if I can continue thinking that these guys are going to do something this year. Yeah, no, this... uh. This is exactly what LA Galaxy fans want. They're 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 showing California, they're showing the the MLS in general that they are the the OG team that, and they're the ones to be reckoned with. They are getting it done without their superstar in Chicharito, like Matt said, quote unquote superstar. They've won four in a row, including twice against LAFC. Both times was a shutout. Meanwhile, LAFC has lost three out of the last four games. The one game they did win, they put in five goals, I think. But they are showing that they can't get done without their superstar, and LA Galaxy can. And that that's soccer right there. If you have the team and you don't rely on the superstar, you can still get things done. But when that one important brick is missing and the whole house falls down, you know, then you, you really can't get it done. So, I mean, Matt, Matt got it right. LAFC, sorry, LA Galaxy is just firing on all cylinders. And I, I, I'd be hard-pressed to find a team that could stop them right now. It is so hard to bounce back from LAFC to LA Galaxy, and yeah. I think all of us individually messed that up at least once. <laughs> it's impossible. So, I, it's not the alcohol, boys and girls. It's just tough to do. I'm just stupid. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I, I, I English real well. So we had another pretty exciting game over in the Western Conference, but... Kansas City, who has been struggling of recent, continues to struggle. The third best team in the Western Conference loses to Houston. And Houston now is on a little bit of a hot streak. Overall, Houston has to be considered at least, you know, when they come in and they play games, you got to at least give them credit where credit's due. Guys, what are we thinking? Kansas City is kind of surprising me. I Throughout the tournament, I was rating them pretty well, but... Looking at their recent performances, they haven't won a game in four tries. They've gotten a couple ties, but they haven't won. So, you know, it's all these late game winners, you know, that are going on in the MLS are definitely exciting. But this is a team that I definitely expect a little bit more out of. And I'm surprised that they're, you know, struggling right now, to be honest. Tim Lee is like a experienced goaltender. The team, I think, has been around for a while. At least the core players have. And, um, I'm just kind of shocked that this is going on with KC, especially. I think this this game was the perfect game to judge them off of, especially considering they had just played Houston recently. And looking at the score from last game to this game, I'd say Kansas City did a bunch of things right, even though they didn't necessarily win this game. They had uh, Amado Dia start for the first time since 2016. Graham Zusi was... Uh, started for the first time at the right wing, and Eric Hurtado started for the first time at center forward. He's changing it up. He's trying different things, and clearly it worked. Hurtado had um, the opening goal. Graham Zussi played a hell of a game, although Dio did get um, pulled out of position for the winning goal. So, you know, you can't win them all, but it was a much improved game from Kansas City. Much better than, you know, 5-2. to two. No, and, and you know what? You guys do have it right. 
And Kyle, you brought up some great points. I mean, Graham Zuzi, I haven't seen Graham Zuzi play as a winger or at least anything type of a forward position in it. What has to be years overall, Peter Vermees has got to be in a position where he seems almost a little bit desperate when you're moving players around like that in their positions that they're not comfortable in. But really, when you break this down to the stats, I like stats. I really just enjoy seeing everything stat wise. I mean, Across the board, Houston dominated in possession, chances created, big chances, and overall just, you know, but this is the part that like really baffles me. Shots on target, Kansas City absolutely took the floor over Houston. They're just not taking advantage of those chances, and in a league like the MLS, you may only get a few chances, but you have to you have to answer when it's your turn and Kansas city now is on a little bit of a dry spell. I mean, really, when you think about it, Dre got it right. Two losses and two draws in their last four games. We all remark Kansas city is one of the better teams in the league. They're going to have to step this up, especially when at this point we have no idea when the playoffs are starting, if the playoffs are starting, but it's something that they have to really consider. Don't forget Ellen Polito is still day-to-day. He hasn't played. There's a chance maybe they find their old rhythm again when he comes back. One could only hope because when Kansas City is completely on their game, they are one of the better teams in the league. Going on to probably some interesting games and some interesting controversy, not on the actual gameplay, but maybe just the game itself. Vancouver upset their Eastern Conference powerhouse rival in Toronto. For the 89th time this month. (laughs) We're going to get into that in one second. But the final score was 3-2. Vancouver did take the win in that game. Overall, the teams have been playing quite often. But, I mean, guys, you're looking at the statistics. Toronto should have absolutely taken this game easy. What did Vancouver do to steal three points? Yeah, I mean, it's weird. I feel like these teams playing each other so often, specifically the Canadian ones. I mean, we've seen in the other rivalries how, um, we, you know, we've had L.A. play L.A., you know, twice in a couple weeks. But with the Canadian team specifically, like, they're playing such a small subset of the MLS. I feel like they're starting to really learn the other teams well enough and kind of get comfortable with having the same opponents over and over. And they're really feeling each other out to the point where, it's kind of an intimate knowledge. When you have that kind of an intimate knowledge, it's easier to understand what players are going to be where, what passes they're going to give, what kind of shots they're going to take. So when you play someone so frequently like that, you kind of pick up on those things. And honestly, I just feel like these teams are going to go back and forth just trading victories and losses uh, because of that. So it just happened to me that Vancouver put three in and Toronto put two in this time around. But, you know, the next time they play, it's very likely we could have the, sorry, the reverse uh, score there. You know what? I'm not even worried that much for Toronto because it's the situation where this is what you're handed. This is the season you're going to have and the schedule you're going to have. You can't win every one, especially when you're playing these teams that often. Do I do I think that this score means that Vancouver is going to come out and be able to beat Seattle or Columbus? No, no, I don't. Does it mean I think Toronto is going to come out and lose to Sporting or RSL? No. Not at all. It's just heavy repetition. You can't have a perfect game every game. And really, I want to go back into those stats. This is what Toronto beat Vancouver in. Possession, total shots, chances created, big chances, total passes, 
passing accuracy and corners. Usually, if you're winning every single major category, you're going to win the game. But I agree with Dre 100%. When you have to play a team so many times in a row, it's like you just learn what to do and what not to do. And you'll just, you know, and they even say it. Even a blind squirrel does eventually find, you know, it's nut. Dre, what, what are you thinking? Um, one more point I'd like to bring up since, you know, I just love goaltenders and that's my favorite position. Thomas Hassall, who got thrown in in the middle of the uh, MLS's back tournament at, you know, age 20 or 21, who was in the Vancouver Academy, he's played every game coming out of the tournament. They haven't won a lot of them or all of them, but I just got to give a shout out to Vancouver for giving this kid a shot, letting letting him go out there and play, knowing that this isn't going to be our best season. We're probably not going to be super competitive, but, you know, giving him the shot, letting him get that first team experience and play some competitive games. And you are 100% right, and you took the words directly out of my mouth, you son of a bitch. <laughs> but overall, Toronto shouldn't you know, keep their heads down, especially when they start playing other MLS teams. Like Kyle said, I, I feel like Toronto is definitely going to stretch their wings. But, I mean, overall, I mean, these it's at least it's fun to watch the Canadian teams continuously go at it. But, guys, I mean, we all, we all need— describing it? Well, we all made jokes here today, but let's dive into it. I want to go first on this. I think it's a little upsetting that every single week the three Canadian teams have to just basically cycle against each other. And I understand under the current climate and, you know, with everything going on and travel and, you, you know, we're trying to keep the players safe. But— Red Bull Arena has opened their doors to two of the three Western, uh, two of the three Canadian teams, and Vancouver is a one hour and thirty minute drive to Seattle. Are we really telling me that we couldn't find places for these guys within the United States of America where they would be able to play within the United States and they'd be able to play in the same groups as everyone else? I think it's a little bit ridiculous that we're isolating the Canadian teams because it does lead to some very questionable decisions as well as you know it, it's tough to want to you know take their record seriously because all they've been doing is play against the same two teams over and over and over again dre started last time so kyle what are you thinking at least with this i'd understand the having them separate and only play each other if they were all playing in canada like you said two out of the three are already playing in america and one is an hour drive from an American MLS stadium. What's the difference at that point? Do you really expect any of these teams to be on hot on, on like a hot streak? Oh, we're going to play the other two teams over and over and over again. One of us is going to make the playoffs. And then what? You're going to go out in the first round because it wasn't Montreal, so I couldn't help you? It's bored. Plus, it's boring from a fan standpoint. I haven't watched one of those games since the second week. Andre, Andre, what do you think? I don't want to watch them over and over again. Well, to, to answer what Kyle was saying, is the Red Bull opened their doors for Toronto-Montreal. Toronto-Montreal haven't actually played games at RBA yet. They're still playing out in, in you know, BMO Field in Toronto and wherever the hell Montreal plays. They're still playing in Canada. And, you know, when Matt showed me that article way back, you know, a couple of weeks back about how, you know, these Canadian teams are going to be playing in the U.S. and RBA, I thought that was kind of like a confirmed thing. I didn't know it was like you know, here's an offer, but they're still going to be out there. I thought they're like, no, this is happening. Apparently I was wrong about that. 
I mean, I kind of understand a lot of these players are Canadian. Their families are still in Canada. And, you know, they still want to see their families, you know, whenever they're back from training and that kind of stuff. And I don't know how much of, you know, the decision lies in the Canadian government or whatever, like, or, or some some Canadian authorities out there uh, encouraging their teams not to travel to America because of whatever coronavirus reasons. I don't know if that's in the conversation or not. I definitely think that America and a lot of these major cities can handle hosting three Canadian teams across a country the size of ours. Um, so there has to be something else at play here. But I think Matt hit the nail on the head how it gets boring after a while seeing the same teams play over and over. It's like you love Derby days, but Derby days are special because they happen once or twice a year. You know, if every game is a Derby game, it's like, okay, cool. Like this is going to, if one team gets on a hot streak, that just throws off the numbers in the, in the history of the Derby and shit like that. So yeah, imagine being told like, as a Red Bull fan, you're only going to play NYC and DC all year. Yeah. It takes a sting out of it. It's no longer like, hurrah, let's go get them. It's like, oh, again, you know? Yeah. No, and and you guys have it exactly right, and that's why I hate you both. <laughs> no, so more at, than I hate myself. Mm, tough call. You hate that's to very it. that's very hard. <laughs> <laughs> so guys, is that more than Kaku hates himself in the back of that picture right there? No, no, nothing's more than that. That's <laughs> that's just peak. Why am I doing this to myself right there? You yeah. can see he's it. Like, oh, he's like, I could have been playing. At Club America right now. Damn. <laughs> why, why, why do you got to take my joke? Because that's exactly what I was going to say. He's, He's just like, there. I'm firing my manager. What is scumbag? Well, I'm telling you right now, unfortunately, star players like Kaku don't sit around during rebuilds. Uh, I have a gut feeling, and it's a hot take. I think Kaku may ask to depart, or at least, you know, hopefully the club may see him go somewhere else because like it, it's exactly like i said star players don't like to stick around during rebuilds and he's young i just want a clarification to wrap this up i just want a clarification of hamlet's comment from before the season started are we still not in a rebuild year because if we're not in a rebuild year then i'm even more worried <laughs> yeah it, wait you're saying we can get worse you're saying that this we yeah, haven't hit yeah, rock like, bottom yet so huh. you're like, You're so saying we can sign worse players? Oh, my God. Speaking of making the wrong choices, every single week we take every MLS game and we all do picks challenges. Basically, we pick every single game, a winner, a draw, a loser, and we've taken those numbers up and they've been tallied throughout the year. I'm going to hand this off to Alex as he's going to break down how we did last week as well as what are the current point totals for the season? So, Alex, go ahead and take it away. What's up, kids? I'm back. How's it going? Back from the Oregon Trail. So, this Did you week, die what, of dysentery? What? <laughs> yeah, you already know. That's why I'm back so fast. <laughs> um, now, so this week, I mean, I came out pretty good. Me and Matt both walk away with nine points. Kyle's got eight. And Dre, womp womp, with six. Dre, are, are you okay, Dre? No, I'm still doing pretty all right for my previous week, so I'm not. I'm not too yeah, mad. yeah. So now, right now, season totals are we have Matt at 54, Dre and myself tied at 51, and Kyle right behind us at 48. Kyle, can you, you smell, right. can you smell it, Kyle? Can you smell it? Well, I mean, he Kyle is so failure. Kyle is Kyle Poop. is so close to Dre's asshole. I mean, he could smell what he had for dinner last night. 
How you doing? Great. Dre yeah. went from first to the middle, and I don't know. I can see him going down. Dre, you better, you guys, better get on top of your shit, man. I, I'm like you said. I'm right behind his asshole. He said he wasn't that worried about his points. He's full of shit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh god. We we are a family friendly podcast. Let's not forget this, boys and girls. Please let me die. <laughs> As we have continued, Dre, I would like to hand the mic over to you for our Farmers League minute and. Uh, we're, we're talking about a story we talked about last week, if I'm not mistaken. We are continuing the saga. <laughs> All right. Welcome back to the Farmers League Minute. Quick update before we continue the journey from last week. Carpatel Viv has lost their first game of the season, 3-0. I'm shocked. To, to, to take uh, Kyle's, you know, words here, I want to kill myself. No. So, yes, that happened. They lost. Fuck them. So, continuing on our journey from last week with following Freddie Adu across his travels across the world. DC, we talked about that. Goes to RSL, we talked about that. Gets a transfer over to Europe. Happy day. He's going somewhere cool, right? Goes to Benfica. Nice. Benfica's a big team. A lot of big players come out of Benfica. You can make a career in Portugal, really. Not Freddie Adu. He plays 11 games the entire season. Gets two goals. Out of those 11 games, they were all off the bench. I don't think he played more than like 36, 37 minutes the entire season in Portugal. And yeah, the entire second half from like January on to the end of the season did not even make the bench. He started off from like August through like November. He played, came off the bench, didn't really do much. They're like, yeah, this is not going well. So they did not even put him on the bench for the rest of the season. The next Four years, Benfica loans him out. Sorry, the next couple years, Benfica loans him out four times to four different teams. And that's where we will pick up next week on the Farmer's Market Minute, following Freddie Adu across his travels. You're paying for the full seat, but you're only going to need the edge. (laughs) Speaking of things that you can pay for. Friendly reminder that our Patreon account is completely open and we already have some pretty awesome stuff as well as things we talk about before and after the podcast. Little conversations we have in between. We don't have that nice smooth tone throughout the podcast like you hear on Skype and iTunes. There's a lot of jokes about Dre's, you know, asshole and the fact that Kyle still hasn't put on a shirt in 94 days. Things that you want to be a part of. So definitely, definitely, definitely take a look. It starts at just $5 a month. And I'm letting you guys know right now, I am personally from my house walking to the mailbox that's connected to my house. And I am mailing you a coaster, a sticker, and a pocket full of dreams. And I'm telling you right now, these are all things you're going to want to get a part of. We are going to be providing even more free stuff in the future. So this is something that you are going to want to be a part of. The link is in all of the bios and all of our social media platforms. So please do not hesitate to click that link and let us know what you think. If it was me, I would totally recommend you wash whatever Matt sends you. Not because he got coronavirus, but he's just a nasty motherfucker. Yeah, five bucks a month will guarantee that me and Alex will just follow Matt around and make sure that he doesn't stalk you or send you weird things in the mail or anything like that. I can't. Pro- I can't promise what he sends to your house. I, I you know. We also do have a. We also do have a feature that is a hundred dollars a month, and in the description, 
Apparently, I'm going to bring you coffee. I promise to bring you coffee once every other week if you sign up for that feature. And that's not- <laughs> like, there's other perks to it. That's just one of them. That or you can opt. You can opt out and just have Kyle punch Matt in the face. Either or. If that's a feature, I'll sign up for that. That's worth hundred bucks. <laughs> we just got a new Patreon account by Matt Sai. What the fuck? I'm paying to get myself punched in the face. It's kind of like a Mike Tyson experience. I want to feel something. Matt just wants <laughs> to feel something. I want to know what love is. And speaking of knowing what love is, it comes to our final segment of the episode where we talk about what is pissing you off this week. I know what I want to talk about, but I don't want to go first. So someone else go ahead. I'll go first. Why not? Uh, Kyle had the decency of reminding me about this because I was actually really mad about this all weekend. And I was over it as of this morning. But then he brought it back. So all, I mean, have you guys heard about Tony Hawk 1 and 2 coming out? Oh, yeah. yeah. Coming out for like PC or something, right? No, it came out already. Piece of shit. Oh, fuck me. Anyway. So it came out on Friday, and for two straight days, it would not let me purchase the game. I had to keep making accounts. I had to keep submitting tickets to Epic Games. I thought it was some Fortnite fucker, like, playing a joke on me. Dude, I cannot buy Tony Hawk 1 and 2 until this morning. I just gave up, made a brand new email account, made a brand new account, and now I have Tony Hawk. But, yeah, for the first two days, all my friends were playing, and I was just kind of sitting in the corner crying to myself, like, it just won't work. (laughs) And Kyle, what is pissing you off this week? Well, it's kind of a combination of a good moment turning into a realization. So, yesterday, I went to see a friend of mine in uh, the middle of Pennsylvania, as I like to call it. We hit up a drive-in theater. It was a good time, and it got me thinking. And now I'm just upset that we have only regular movie theaters here. I can't go to mega movies down the road and grill inside the theater and drink beer. I'd probably oh. get arrested. I, I guess I say, could. But I'd get you, arrested. You could. It's just depend on how fast you run. It's just better. Why don't we have nice things here, Matt? I just want nice things. Oh, no, I'm sorry. You live in the great state of New Jersey where the property oh, tax yeah. is high and we have the a good things are low and good things. <laughs> your property taxes make sure Sean Nealis has a spot on our roster. <laughs> and uh, well, <laughs> I give oh, up. Drink, uh, I I'll give, can I can. Okay. Hey, what's pissing me off that week? That fucking comment. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh God. No, realistically speaking, um, whew, what's pissing me off this week is that, I'm starting to, like, try to plan some shit, like, ahead of time. And every fucking, like, beer garden I look at, every fucking brewery I look at, y'all, you always have to make reservations, like, two, three weeks out, and the shit's all fucking booked. I'm trying to plan my engagement party in, like, October, and... I was gonna yeah, say, they, why are we still vague booking about this? Yeah. You announced it already. I did. And, like, <laughs> I, I, I'm the type of person where I don't know what I'm doing until, like, an hour before I do it. So I'm like, oh, cool, let me go to the brewery. Oh, wait, it's booked. And I'm like, well, fuck, before I could just go. I mean, I get coronavirus and shit, but before I could just go and show up, now it's like. Sometimes you don't know until three hours after the rest of us have already been doing it. Yeah, something like that. (laughs) So that's what's pissed me off this week. Being good friends with you for the past, you know, decade. Yeah, Dre doesn't do anything more than 30 minutes into thinking about it. Like, it's just like, 
He wakes up with a clear conscience, and I'm just like, yeah, I, I wake up with like 98 things I have to do. I'll describe uh, you in the way that my old band described our singer. Dre does Dre things. Yes. <laughs> we actually have a thing called uh, Dre Standard Time, which everyone has learned to adapt to at this point. <laughs> I lo- like When I need Dre to get to places at a specific time, I tell him to show up. 35 to 40 minutes before everyone else is supposed to show up. So like if the events at three o'clock in the afternoon, I'll tell Dre to show up at two 15, he'll show up right on time. <laughs> and me and Alex always okay. double check to make sure that we're not getting told any Dre standard time nonsense. Cause I- no, you, you guys are on a separate group chat in its entirety. <laughs> Cause I, I, I run on Spanish time. So I'm always 15 to about three hours late to everyone. 15 to 3 hours. That's a good window. Like 15, 15 minutes to 3 hours, yeah. Uh, yeah, you know. I mean, 15 hours late would be kind of wild. Wild, wild. <laughs> right, hold on, hold on. If your party's going on 15 hours later, that's a fucking lit-ass party. Alex is like, I'm here, sir. That party was two months ago. <laughs> oh. Oh, that's a shame. I'm going to go back home now and play something else. So can I not drink in your backyard? Yes, no, maybe? <laughs> All of the above? So I have two things that's pissing me off. One that actually happened during this podcast. Uh, during this podcast, halfway through, I realized my mic wasn't plugged in, so I bet you that audio, audio quality is going to sound great. Good luck, Dre. And the other thing that's pissing me off is I hate the fact that if I go outside for 10 fucking seconds, I get sunburned. I went to the beach today and was in shade 95% of the time. Got home. I am cooked like a lobster. Have so, you tried not being a white piece of shit? Uh, see, no. Just change I, the color. Change the color. That's what it is. I, I, I can only be a piece of shit, though, Kyle. Like, I I was raised don't, a piece. You could be a piece of shit. Just don't be a white one. You won't sunburn. Uh, tough call. You know, it's a bold strategy. Let's see if it works. Um, <laughs> tomorrow, I'm going to just try my best, but you know, no guarantees. So, ladies and gentlemen, we are at the end of episode 33, the Aaron Long episode. I would have said it at the beginning, but we would have conceded four goals since the episode started. So, yikes. Ooh, ooh, ooh oh. did it hurt? Did it hurt? Did it hurt? You don't oh, got to rub too- salt. You don't got to rub salt into it, dude. Uh, oh, oh, tough call. My name is Matt. I am speaking <laughs> on behalf of Dre, Kyle, and Alex. Guys, have a great evening and say bye to the pretty people. No pretty people. I'm still not confident. Thank you for staying with us and listening to another episode. Like and subscribe and remember to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Post and Pints. Also, this just in, PPP now has a Patreon. If you like what you've heard and want to help support us, you can go and visit our Patreon. We're going to have some funny new ideas coming real soon. Anyway, cheers and see you next week.